When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and... 6-1, since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to the New Books Network. The first time the borders closed, Allie Crane, 36 and pregnant, had just passed into the city. Her basketball-sized belly inconvenienced a shoulder check, so she pulled without looking to the far lane of the exit ramp, leaving behind the knot of slowing traffic. There were no barricades here, not like by O'Hare. She followed the curly cue of the ramp to the museum's underground garage, the same route she funneled every day. This is G.P. Gottlieb, host for New Books and Literature, a podcast channel on the New Books Network, and today I'm talking to Jill Stukenberg, author of News of the Air. Why are people coming to the North Woods while others try to escape? Allie and Bud, owners of a small, old resort in the North Woods, struggle to understand their teenage daughter, Cassie, who strives to get away even though she loves the water and woods, and can navigate alone even across the border. Two children row up from the lake and nobody knows what they're doing in the woods. Allie and Bud grapple with the collapse of their marriage while Cassie joins them in grappling with the suicide of a friend and the falling apart of a community. Hi, Jill. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Galet. How do you see your novel as an example of... Ecofiction, and how would you define ecofiction? Thanks for the question. I um, so ecofiction is a is a term that I I don't think I knew when I was first drafting the novel, but it's a term that I came across in the later stages. Which, by the way, I think that's good for writers to not try to label something too early, right, or to to let something constrain them in that way. Um, but in the later stages of editing, and then when I was trying to think of how to describe it to people I was sending it to, I did come across the term ecofiction, which is is from the 70s. So it's been around for a while. And the the idea is that the setting in the work is conceived as a dynamic force in the book, uh, as much as plot or characters. And I knew when I was writing this book that the setting of the Northwoods, the the book takes place in Wisconsin's Northwoods, was um, as vital as, as any of the characters. 
in the book and was something that was in flux and was influencing the characters and influencing the plot. Um, and, and so that was when I knew that I wanted to call it eco-fiction or an eco-novel um, to try to help me explain that to readers. That that's what that's the ride they were in for with this book. Mm-hmm. Your title, "News of the Air," made me think you were going to focus on the air. Can you say more about how you chose the title? Sure. So it's kind of a funny story. I had a different title for many years while I was writing the book. It was called Labor Day for a long time um, until I found out um, after I won the Big Moose Prize, which is how this novel um, found its way to publication, that that already existed not only as a title for a book, but that it was that other book was made into a movie starring Kate Winslet. So now I, now I like to say, Kate Winslet, you stole my title. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I do, I do like the new title, News of the Air. It, it took me a while to find it. Um, and I did find it, it, it correlates with a line later in the novel and an image of some geese that are flying south for the winter. And, and that works really well since it, in many ways my book is about people crossing land and, and it's also about the natural world. And it's also about things that are in the air all around us, news, things um, that perhaps we wish wasn't true. Or uh, there's a there's a line at the beginning that's from a poem by Carolyn Kaiser about um, people chatting about news they've chosen to ignore. So there's, there's also this idea in the book of finally accepting a, a truth that is around us in the air, but that we might prefer to ignore. Hmm. It's also centered on the lake. In fact, the Great Lakes and their tributaries. What, what about the lake inspired you to write? Yeah, I am. I grew up on the Great Lakes, and I'm I'm so fortunate for that. I grew up on the shore of um, Green Bay, which is a part of Lake Michigan, and uh, living in a place like that, where I, you know, every every day when you live close to a body of water, you you understand that the world is always changing around you. You know, hour by hour, the way the weather moves across water is different, and and of course, the seasons living in the Upper Midwest are constantly changing all around me. Um, so living on and near a Great Lake gave me that, I think that sense that is probably what influenced me to write my setting as being such a dynamic part of the book and sort of led to what I later thought of as eco-fiction or an eco-novel. Uh, the, the Great Lakes and this idea of water um, is important in the book too, because it's uh, it's also a book that's a little bit of a near future imagining of what might happen with um, continued climate change and thinking about um, how, how that might affect how people live. And one way we might be affected is how we have to use our resources, like our fresh water. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's pretty topical. Look, there's a giant hurricane right now bearing down on South Florida as we speak. Yeah. So uh, the first voice in the book is Allie. Can you explain her motivation? What's going on with her? Yeah, thanks. Allie is a is a woman who uh, I, I love her as one of my three main point of view characters. She is a, a mother and a, a resort owner. And what's interesting about her is she's lived some different lives. She used to live in a city. She grew up in a wealthy family. She was married to a different person in the city. But now in this new stage of her life, she uh, lives in a very rural place, a wild place in northern Wisconsin in the North Woods. And she has an 18-year-old daughter. And she's the co-manager with her husband of a small rundown fishing resort. And, and so she's someone who has learned how to adapt and how to change. 
but she's also someone who has come to the Northwoods in part out of fear of how the world is changing and as a, as a way to protect her daughter, as a way to retreat to a, a wild place uh, where, um, where she believes she might escape some of the uh, scary things that she sees happening in the cities. Yeah. Allie's husband seems like a jack of all trades, extremely competent, but by no means perfect. Can you say more? Sure. So her husband, Bud, is um, a former librarian, and now he's um, a co-owner of this resort up in the Northwoods with Allie. And I'm, I was interested in this book in the ways in which different people have different points of view. Um, and it, in some cases, even within a marriage, two people start to view the world in different ways, or their, their underlying worldviews um, maybe diverge even more. And and that's kind of something that happens with Allie and Bud. They they both interpret and understand the news of the air, if you will, the, the reality around them in, in different ways. Um, Bud thinks that maybe things are not as serious. Maybe, um, if anything, they should sell their resort and move just because the economy is bad. Allie thinks that there's something more dangerous happening in the world because of climate change and, and related problems that are affecting human societies, economic um, turmoil, um, some social collapse, um, increased dangerous kinds of migration where lots of people are forced to flee their homes or who are homeless. And, and those things make her think that the solution is to hide and to hunker down and to stay where they are in the woods. And, and so these different worldviews kind of extend in in other ways too, but is more of a, he's a former librarian, so he's kind of rational. He thinks that you can Google any answer. And of course, that's a problem because they live where there's not great cell reception <laughs> or, or good Wi-Fi either. Uh, Allie is a person who is more intuitive. She wants to know something because she trusts it in her gut. And so also there are two ways of apprehending the world. There are two ways of making meaning and knowledge um, are increasingly diverging and, and kind of putting them at odds. Mm-hmm. Um, the resort they run sounds like a magnificent place to spend a summer week, but it requires a staggering amount of work to maintain. They, are they sticking with it just because of Bud? Yeah, that's a great question. I um, I grew up in Door County. I grew up in, Stur- in Sturgeon Bay and I worked in uh, restaurants and I worked in, and I had friends who worked in hotels. And so I've always been a little bit fascinated by the dynamics of tourist economies, places where a lot of people make their living by helping other people have vacation. And because it is really interesting to, to sort of see the 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 differences that result there and that there's economic differences and class differences and um there's also i mean there's something magical about getting to live in a place that other people want to come for vacation you know you realize you're so lucky that that's your home but it's hard when you're the one who has to change the sheets and you know bust the tables and 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 that kind of thing and that's kind of one thing that I brought to this book, which takes place in the Northwoods, a different area of Wisconsin, you know, more close to the, the northern border. Uh, and the, the resort is a lot of work. It's, it's, it is only a seasonal resort, so they're only open in the, in the summer, as many places in the Northwoods are. And so not only is there a lot of work in the summer, but the winters are harsh, you know, and they, they live in a pretty isolated place. So they, they kind of endure some loneliness in the winter, too. Yeah. And then their daughter, Cassie, she'd be a typical teenager, except that she knows way more about survival than most teenagers. Did her parents give her those tools to survive in the world 
without them. Yeah. So Cassie is um, 18 in this in the novel, and she is an only child, and she was homeschooled for many years. So, and she grew up in this sort of isolated resort um, area in the North Woods. And so she has so many interesting skills. She can power, uh, you know, she can drive a boat. She can navigate through waterways um, in a canoe. She can gut a fish. Um, she likes to play with the visiting children of people who come to the resort and sometimes take them on dangerous adventures. Um, and so she's she's smart and she has all these um, outdoor skills. She's also good with machines and computers. She's built um, a, a new satellite system to bring in a Wi-Fi signal for her parents and for the resort because also like any teenage girls of her time, she's interested in the world outside. Um, she's interested in the internet and, and in trying to make friends um, beyond the resort. Um, so she's a person who has an interesting skill set. And part of the question of the novel is, as the world changes, what will be her place? You know, um, what are the skills that any young person is going to need in in the real future, which might look very different than the way the world looks now? Yeah. Julia is a neighbor with a lot going on. And I could just see her from your description, but she's just lost her daughter. Can you say more about that without giving too much away? Yeah, Julia is a, is another mother in the book. There's a couple of sets of mothers and daughters because Cassie um, does end up making friends with other teenage girls by joining an orchestra group. Uh, so she becomes a member of the Northwoods Girls Orchestra. And, and so there's some other daughters and some mothers who she meets. Julia is one of the other mothers. And as you mentioned, she's a mother of a, a daughter who is who's died now and was that was a friend of Cassie's. And Julia is also one of my favorite characters because she is, she's someone who uh, grew up in a different circumstances than she now finds herself in. You know, she uh, has someone who's worked hard her whole life. She had, you know, was a bartender and cleaned rooms and, you know, she had a lot of hard manual labor jobs um, and, and got by in this way. But she also is someone who now is in a relationship with someone who's pretty wealthy Uh, in the, in the book, there's a, someone who's working with a mining company takes interest in her because she's she is a lot of fun um she's funny and goofy and and she likes to have a good time um and so she kind of finds herself in this different place where um you know she's interacting with different groups of people than than she's used to another friend of uh cassie's is christina she's living by herself in a dilapidated place in the woods why isn't there a child protective services department nearby? Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, well, so Christina is, and like Cassie, they're they're both eighteen, and and Christina has graduated already from high school, so she is technically an adult. Although um, I do, I mean, I feel some concern for her too because she's living alone um, in a in a bar which she manages. That's a, a little lakeside bar that has an apartment in the back. And it's the place where her mother worked for many years. And her mother was this well-known bartender in the area, a tough, no-nonsense, uh, another kind of character who I like a lot. And But but she has left. We, we find out um, later that she's, she's also trying to figure out if her family should move or stay during this time. And so she's gone for several months. Um, and her daughter is alone and in charge of the bar as a 18-year-old. And, and she's a very capable teenager. She's, she, uh, you know, she does know what to do and is able to manage things, but, 
but yeah, she's in a precarious place. And we, we worry about her. We also worry about what her future could be because, you know, it, it, she's kind of scraping out a pretty small existence here as the bartender at at this backwoods bar. And it's not even clear if there would be enough business, you know, for her to turn that into something that would be sustaining or not. Um, then there's a very funny scene, which is also a little scary, potentially, um, involving strange men who are camping out with strange, unusual animals. Mm-hmm. Yes. So um, two of the, the daughters here, Cassie, the daughter of the resort owners, and Christina, the young, uh, capable bartender, have been friends for a long time. And um, they have gotten into some mischief from time to time by creating funny but fake websites. Um, one thing that they've done is they've they've created websites that advertise locations in their hometown as industrial waste dumping sites. Uh, they, they sort of do this to amuse themselves. They have a quirky sense of humor, um, and they're both very savvy with building websites and, you know, connecting modems and satellite signals and that sort of thing. So it's kind of what they do for kicks. Um, But it ends up attracting the attention of some people who actually do come um, looking to try to rent um, a spot that they have just advertised as a, as a free camping spot. And it's kind of a wake up call for the the girls that, um, that there are people out there who are receiving the messages that they're putting out there on the airwaves. Um, it's also a little bit empowering for them, I think, to realize that they were able to create something that other people can believe and fall for, even though it's a, it's a little scary when the men show up and, and think that there's, there's something there that there's not. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't sure where that was going to go. We learn that there are U.S. citizens trying to get up into Canada and Canadian citizens trying to get into the States by keeping to the waters and avoiding the border. Can you explain a bit about that back and forth? Yeah, sure. I think um, so the, the book is kind of a, a near future look. Uh, so it's it's I, I wanted there to be things happening in the book. I think this is one of Margaret Atwood's dictums to herself, that if there's things that happen in her dystopian universes, there are things that actually happen in the real world too. And 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 in this case, it I, I've just sort of taken something that does happen right now. There's lots of people who are desperately trying to cross United States borders and who are have to endure dangerous circumstances to do that, and but who are are choosing to do that for all kinds of reasons, right? And and so in my novel, that's happening um, more. Um, it's happening along the northern border, which of, of course it even is right now happening along the northern border. Although in the near future vision of my novel, it's even harder than it is today to cross the border, even for citizens citizens to cross the border because um, documentation and, and visas are so exorbitantly expensive. Um, in part, um, this interests me in the novel because I think that um, I think that borders are so interesting in the way that they are kind of fabricated and false. And, you know, especially when you live on the water and you see how one, if the water's frozen or if the water's not frozen, it's suddenly a, a road or it's not a road, you know, or if you live near a lot of rivers and creeks and there's a lot of rain and one day there's passageways and the other day there's not passageways, these these sort of pathways and roads appear and disappear in, in a lot of places in the natural world, especially when water is involved or the elements are involved. And so I, I was pretty interested in this idea of doorways being opened and closed, um, in, in different ways and sort of the border being something that was like that too, that was, could open or, or close. Um, 
and it's part of my interest in the book too, in trying to think about how climate change might really affect and is already affecting our world to some extent. Um, you know, increased human migration is is something that definitely is happening because of the way the the world is experiencing so much eco, uh, ecological change right now, and I think it'll be continue to be part of the future. And I hope we can find solutions for people to have freedom of movement on the planet. Absolutely. We all hope that. Um, I've been up in the North Woods. I was excited to read names of places that I recognized. I was in, I remember being in Eagle River. I went to camp in Conover for a few years. And it's beautiful up there. Why are so many businesses failing in a beautiful area that is so desirable for vacationers? I, I'm just smiling to hear that you've been to all those places because I love the North Woods of Wisconsin too. I live in Wausau currently, so we're not quite in the North Woods. Real North Woodsers would say, oh, Wausau's not far enough north, and don't worry, I get that. But I have traveled up to the real North Woods and spent time in some of those towns um, as a vacationer myself. And it, it is a beautiful place. It is also a, a place that's uh, hard in some ways to, to survive it. Um, there are, you know, large tracts of, of national parks that are forested, um, that are beautiful, but that if you set foot in them, you could get lost. You really, you really could be lost. If you were there in the wrong time of year, you could die simply from exposure and, and from being lost. Um, there are also, um, it is, it is true that there's problems with cell signals and Wi-Fi up there, too. There's a lot of small businesses that struggle right now in the whole northern half of Wisconsin because they really don't have Internet. I know that sometimes surprises people from the city to know that, there's, but they really don't. They don't have a consistent signal. Um, and so there are some fantastic um, you know, businesses and places that run resorts, but um, you know they have a couple months out of the year when the weather allows them to do that, and then the rest of the year it's a it's a different story and um, they're also trying to survive in a contemporary world where they don't have they don't have internet it's so last century <laughs> that they that they don't have internet yeah well and it's hard, it's hard then too you know there were ways that you could you know, businesses have phones and they have, you know, brochures, but, but that doesn't work if your clients are from the city and they're like, what do you mean there's a phone and there's a brochure? Like, where's Google Maps and where's, uh, how do I, all those other things. So, uh, so interesting. Can't wait to get to Wisconsin again. And Jill, what are you working on now? Thanks. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm still drawn to writing about Wisconsin. I, I grew up here and it, I lived out of state and some other places for a while, but I came back and it, it means a lot to me to write about people who are from here and to depict people from the Midwest as contemporary people who are living right now, you know, not in sentimental ways or in, in, um, in, in the ways that maybe sometimes people think of for the flyover region here. Um, so I, I am writing a book that um, takes place um, in a central Wisconsin community. Uh, it's a novel in stories where different chapters are told from the point of view of different people in town who are affected. Um, there's a, one of the central characters has a, a has re has turned the family dairy farm into a organic CSA farm. And that's affecting the community in different ways because it's um, creating new business opportunities and creating some new reasons for people to come back to the town if they might have left. Um, although also, I think what's happening right now in my book is that the year is 2020. So at the same time, some we're kind of seeing how the people are affected by the first stages of the COVID um, pandemic. Mm. Oh, it sounds really good. 
Well, thank, thank you. you. I, I wish you the best. And thank you for talking to me today. Thank you so much for having me, Gaylet. This was a joy. And again, thank you for listening. This is G.P. Gottlieb, author of the Whipped and Sipped Mystery Series and host for New Books and Literature, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. Today, I've been talking to Jill Stukenberg about her moving debut novel, News of the Air. Hope you all have a juicy novel to cuddle up with today and every day. Happy reading.